Prospects are all around you. Is that so? Of course it's so. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Tuesday, August 29th, 2017. I'm Jeffy Haza. Today on The Dispatch, Rick Paulus talks to the creator of Loose Change about what he's doing now. You know, before when you say that you believed in 9-11 truth, it just meant that, like, the original investigation was shoddy and that you had specific questions about specific things, but you weren't a nut job. And I talked to the founders of the lyrics website songmeanings.net. I am the Eggman, I am the walrus, <laughs> cuckoo kachoo. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Here's the dispatch. Power. Loose Change, the internet distributed film series that claimed the September 11th attacks were an inside job, was a breakout hit for conspiracy theorists. Can we be certain that the hijackers were radical Muslims on a suicide mission? Or is there a possibility that they were trained, funded, and protected in our own country? The project began in 2003 as a script for a fictional thriller written by Dylan Avery, a then 18-year-old aspiring filmmaker. But as he began researching, Avery became convinced that powerful, shadowy figures were pulling the wool over the American public's eyes. And so, he translated his research, which was unfortunately mostly pseudoscience, into a documentary-style video essay. Was Flight 93 downed by hijackers in an open field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania? Or is the truth being withheld from the public. Dylan Avery is 33 now, and next month he'll premiere his latest film, Black and Blue. Can we one time have our justice? When you're fighting for something that you think's right, there is no back down. And there hasn't been any back down for four years. I'm not going to start now. It's a documentary about the rise of protest against police brutality in America, and he's been shooting it for the past three years. You know, I start to see more and more articles about people getting beat up by the police, people getting shot by the police, uh, officer getting acquitted, and it just seemed to be more and more. It was kind of escalating, and that combined with my own personal experiences and kind of itching to take on a new project because I'm just coming off of editing someone else's film. I want to make my own now. Rick Paulus called up Avery on the phone to talk about his new movie and how he views loose change a decade later. You mentioned that you that it might, that black and blue is um, kind of your first film since Loose Change that uh, that took a, you know a certain type of approach that you kind of were working on it for years and years and years. Like, why are the two similar in just in terms of your approach? It's interesting because it's it's like Loose Change, but it's not. And I also I didn't go into it like you know I saw some of the early reactions when people heard the Loose Change guy was making a police documentary. Like, oh great, it's going to be. You know, two hours of fuck the police and this and that and whatever. It's like, no, I mean, I have cops in my film. <laughs> like, I actually, you know, watching again now, I think all things considered, I came out with a relatively balanced film. You know, I, I obviously, all documentarians, I think, have a bias inherent or not. But um, I like to think that I still tried to portray as much of the other side in this as I could. So let's talk about Loose Change for a while right now. Um, oh, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's been 10 years now. Um, how how would you say that it's aged? Um, I mean, I'd say it's it's aged. <laughs> Just one way to put it. I mean, I, I hear the voiceover now, and it's crazy. That kind of, uh, I don't want to say like conspiracy thinking, but kind of like the government's lying to you, the media's lying to you. Sort of all that has caught, gone a little mainstream in a way, whether it's uh, Alex Jones getting more popular. What have your feelings been as you've watched the trajectory of sort of 
not, I don't want to say splinter, but kind of like a small, uh, small group kind of going mainstream in a way. I don't really know. You know, before when you say that you believed in 9-11 truth, it just meant that, like, the original investigation was shoddy and that you had specific questions about specific things, but you weren't a nut job, and a lot of the questions you had were often shared with people who actually had to go through these events. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be the guy that everybody calls up whenever there's, you know, some massive event, and I don't want to just be the guy that's always talking about conspiracies, you know, because, again, it's like, but the, the way, the way the, the culture has gone at this point is just, like, so far removed from even anything that I know from 10 years ago. Why even bother trying to raise awareness about 9-11 truth at this point? Because they're just automatically to be conflated with fucking Alex Jones. Because, you know, 10 years ago he was talking about that stuff. So now that's automatically who you are, if, you know, if you have questions about anything. You know, I still want to try and just capture the present and still do what I want to do, which is make movies and just not have to keep talking about this one. I guess there's one more question, and this is, um, and it's the biggie. You've gone through 9-11 documents, official or otherwise, for over 10 years. Like, do you think it is it was a quote-unquote inside job? I can't, unfortunately. Again, I just, I can't, I certainly can't use that phrase because I know there's enough negative connotations associated with it at this point. Are there a pile of questions about 9-11 that still have yet to be properly addressed? And are there a, a, there a, a plethora of things about that day that we still don't have a proper answer for? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair to say. It's just, I just, I, if I had known putting out that phone that I was going to have to spend the rest of my life still having to say whether or not I agree with it, I, I don't know if I would have put it out. Go ahead. Well, like you said, it does feel in a way that like 9-11 um, just broke something. Right. And I mean, that, that's, that's the main reason that I'm still having conversations with people about 9-11. I still choose to do these interviews is because... That's that's the point, man. Like, it, 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 never mind any bullshit about like conspiracy theories or, or like how the buildings came down or whatever. Like, like, like something broke that day, and that's that's what drove the movement. We're all just so angry, and we, we're all I don't know. Everything's just so misguided, and I I don't know. culture. In the heyday of the internet, people paid a lot of attention to message boards. On the forums that accompanied the early music app Winamp, a small but passionate group of users would debate the meaning of their favorite songs. Eventually, in 2001, Brian Adams and Michael Sciano, both college students at the time, decided to start a website called songmeanings.net. Within a few months, it was inundated with diehard music fans sharing their most intimate feelings about music. Now, 16 years after it launched, the site is still very much alive. I spoke to Brian and Michael about what's made the site hang on for so long. So thank you guys both for taking the time out. I guess uh, for the purpose of the podcast audience, what is songmeanings.net slash dot com? <laughs> um, so the, the pitch we always give is uh, it's a community of um, of. of uh, music lovers focused around the discussion of lyrics, and uh, the discussion really ranges from. I mean, we we always uh, we always want to see the the personal connection to lyrics, and I think that's what we go for. Uh, you know, what does a song mean to you? Um, but like memories, we 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 encourage. Um, we love reading um, just that connection that people have with the song or the artist. The sort of the the deep ingrained memories that 
music can create with you and how it's like has this ability to like teleport you back in time, right? You hear a song and you immediately picture yourself in your dorm room getting stoned for the first time with your buddies or like Mike said, that breakup or whatever it is that just, there's something about music that sort of just sears itself in your brain and hearing people chat about that. So I guess, you know, if both of you might chime in on how it, how you guys got started with songmeanings.net and how, you know, the first moment, I guess you felt like a lot of people are catching on to this. <laughs> um, yeah, so kind of, we used to hang out on the Winamp uh, forums. Do you remember Winamp back in the day? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we were uh, we were always on that. And actually, um, I think we were debating in one of the forum threads um, the meaning of Ben Fold 5 brick. It just started as like kind of like a hobby, um, and this was the idea. Let's 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 grow this 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 site where people can debate what lyrics mean, um, give their interpretation, give their song memories, um, you know what the song means to them, uh, and everything spun from that 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 Ben Folds Five uh, discussion. We didn't know anything about like making money or advertisements. We just kind of thought this was a really cool, fun thing to do. You know, so much of the emphasis. Uh, on this site particularly seems to be on what fans think and how fans interpret different songs and different lyrics. And it seems like what's emerged, you know, more recently, especially with the advent of sites like Genius, is like artists telling you directly, like, this song means this. Without a doubt, we, you know, we wanted to find that personal connection for the everyday person. Um, and I remember early on when, when Genius was kind of, um, gaining uh, traction, we reached out to a couple artists through um, a couple of labels and, and publishers. And, uh, and to, to go back a little bit, we were, we've always been kind of more rock, alternative rock focused. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those artists um, didn't even want like verified factual song meanings. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we kind of ran with um, and can keep and we're still running with it. Um, it's kind of user generated. What does this song mean to you? Hmm. Again, I think it is really cool and, and neat to hear when the artists, you know, share what they think or what they're thinking. But the one thing that I've always thought about is a lot of those songs, you know, like I am the Eggman, I am the Walrus, <laughs> Cuckoo Cachoo. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I can't believe that Lennon actually knows what he was talking about. He was probably so coked out of his mind. It's pretty amazing stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know. There's, I definitely think there's an argument to say, like, <laughs> maybe there's not a deeper meaning there. Maybe it's just, it is what it is, you know, and even when like genius, you know, kind of was on the rise and, and really started breaking things down line by line. We looked at that really hard and thought like, we want to do this. And we kind of went down some paths of, you know, even mocking some things up and trying it. And the more we got down it, the more we just realized this is really never was like our core focus. This isn't really what we wanted to get out of the site. You guys have been in this for so long now, and so many things have happened that have been seemingly really monumental in the space of social media and in the space of music and how people listen to music. And to look now and you have Genius and you have Spotify that also does lyrics and does different interpretations. And, you know, do you guys feel, is there, I don't know, it's hard to say, do you guys feel cool? But it's like, you guys were definitely onto something that ended up being a big player in how music was consumed. So that's an interesting question. I mean, we talk a lot about being way too early to the scene, mm. right? I mean, we were social before social was cool. Yeah. I definitely think it's cool that we've been able to kind of live through that and that we're still here, you know, and then what's, you know, and then help us, you know, kind of think what's next and how do we make sure we're still here for another, you know, 15 years, 20 years or more, more. Cause, um, 
you know, as much as it's not our full-time gig, it's definitely something that's still, it hasn't worn off, right? It's still that amazing thing. That's it for The Dispatch. Remember, we do the show every morning, Monday through Thursday. Find out how to subscribe at theoutline.com slash podcast. I'm Jeffy Haza. Thanks for listening. More stories tomorrow.